So, where were we? Oh yeah, uh, is Smart Circle a cult? Well, I guess that depends on who you ask. But if you ask Alex Simchuk, he'll tell you hell yes it is. Alex spent 15 months as a sales rep for one of those fake marketing companies like Equip Marketing Solutions here in Chattanooga. And after he finally got out of the business, he made a documentary about his experience and how he and many other sales reps felt manipulated and even brainwashed by the owners above them. But after posting that video, he came to realize those owners he vilified were actually being manipulated and brainwashed to an even greater degree. I was working full-time, but that went down to part-time, and I knew I needed, I knew I needed something full-time, so I started searching. I started applying to jobs in, like, marketing. He came across one of those same vague, spammy, bullshit job ads that I'd seen here in Chattanooga. At first, he ignored it, but then he figured, ah, what the hell, and he applied. And by the end of the day... He'd been invited for the first interview in a three-step process. After leaving the first round, I really wasn't, I really still didn't know what I was going to be doing. It was very vague. Uh, second round interview was in, in, the, uh, in a Sam's Club. And what was interesting was I lived in northwest Indiana, and this business was in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. So on a, on a perfect day with no traffic, it probably took me about 45 minutes. And with Chicago traffic, there are very few perfect days. So it usually, it usually took more like an hour 15. It, at the worst, it was two hours. So I did. The, I went to the store and met met my who would have been my team leader. Uh, just as an aside, that was the only time I ever saw that guy. So between the time I met him for my second round interview and my starting the job, he was he either quit or was let go. And for some reason, I never really thought about that. I never questioned it. Like I, I may have met, wondered once, well, what happened to that guy? But I just never, never registered that that was kind of odd. I observed, you know, we did the questions and I observed the, the sales performance and things like that. So I kind of realized, oh, okay. So I'm basically standing in a, in a store and talking to people, talking to people, talking. To people. And then he did the, the four levels, entry level, team leader, assistant manager, manager. And he said, uh, and at the time it wasn't stacked on top of itself as, as a, a pyramid is. It was to the left, to the right, so it didn't look as blatant as it, it does. And that's how I learned how to do it originally, but then I realized it's actually easier to do it top to bottom, but then, and of course I never, being in the business that long, I didn't critically examine, hey, it's a pyramid, but that's that's another issue. Um, so so he said, you know, this this can happen in under a year, and when you get to the top, you make seventy-five to 100000 and I think to anybody who is kind of in the weeds, they, they don't have steady income, they don't have a steady job, to be offered that, hell yeah, okay, sounds good. So that interview ended, uh, you know, I had to send my three reasons or five reasons or whatever it was of why I should, should be hired. And then a uh, third round interview was a few days later within the next couple days and drove all the way back out to the office. I think I might have been there for 10 minutes. Um, again, I was still, I knew what I would be doing, but it was still kind of vague, like what all, all the requirements were and whatever. And then later that day, they, they gave me a call and said that I was, you know, accepted for the position. 
And honestly, I went in with an open mind. Like, I, I did not have suspicions. Um, I really didn't... I, suspicions really weren't, weren't really fixated upon. I, I bought into the to the promise, really, as I kept focusing on that one-year plan, you know, $75,000, you get to your own your own office, so... Smart Circle's got a lot of weird code words that are only really understood by others in the business. In fact, the business is what they call Smart Circle. Negs are negative thoughts, which are basically any thoughts that conflict with what your owner tells you to tell Juice stands for joining us in creating excitement. Rhinos are the symbol of the business because they have thick skin. Road trips are when you're forced to go trains, or when an owner has his business taken eight steps to success, five steps to the sale. It's all very complicated. So I taught back the five steps, and I'm pretty sure I, t- I was either teaching back or I taught back Fuji, and um, she emailed me and said, hey, you want to get in the field? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? And being the good employee that I wanted to look like, I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Let's let's show some go get attitude and stuff like that. So I was actually in the field, I think, on my third day selling pierogies, and it was kind of strange. This should have been a red flag, but I actually closed that night. By myself. So this is the first first day I'm in the field. I'm learning alongside a team leader. And she leaves at like 6. And I didn't know I was closing by myself until like maybe a half hour before she left. So between 6 and 8.30, I'm there by myself. And I have to wash all the stuff and clean up everything. And this is my first day in the field. Like how many businesses will do that to a brand new recruit? So, again, it, it seemed suspicious at the time, but again, you just kind of ignore things like that. Looking back, Alex can identify plenty of red flags that he was willing to overlook at the time. And why? Well, obviously, the promise of money and financial freedom was a big factor. But there was something deeper going on, and it's something that's shared by a lot of other MLMs. From the early ones like Tupperware or Avon or Mary Kay, to current ones like LulaRoe. MLMs provide a sense of community. When you join an MLM, you're surrounded by a whole new group of friends who are super positive and super supportive of you, as long as you're pursuing this one shared goal to the exclusion of everything else in your life. Yeah, and, and I, I'll tell you, there were times like there were, I, I, where I wanted to be around these people. Like I wanted, like there were days when I wasn't on the schedule. And I voluntarily went to the morning meetings, an hour and 15 minutes out of my way, just to be there for an hour and maybe 10 minutes and come all the way back home, just because I wanted to be in that positive environment. So it was, I don't want to say it was like a drug, but yeah, the manipulation is fierce. Because you're right, there, there is nothing about this on its surface that seems evil. Nothing about this experience is clearly that you're being manipulated. And the many people that I've talked to who've even said, yeah, there were red flags, but for some reason you just ignore them because you like the people you're around. They make you feel good about yourself. All at once, Smart Circle had taken over Alex's life. The hours were grueling, and in addition to his sales shift, he had to show up for daily motivational meetings and team-building events on his day off. He barely had time to sleep anymore. He used to enjoy playing in the church band. But now, he had to work every Sunday. 
Yeah, and keep in mind too, because in addition to going to the meetings and and being in the field with these people, you know, there's team nights every week or every two weeks, and then there's all these other, there's holiday gatherings, and you're expected to be there, or at least it's strongly encouraged that you're there, and if not, you might be on the receiving end of a critical conversation. So in addition to working with these people, yeah, you're, you're expected to have a social life with them as well, and that's another way that they can get you hooked. But for all the time and the energy and the money that he was sinking into this new job, when people asked what Alex did, he still couldn't quite explain it. Which is another red flag, right? If you can't tell, if you can't clearly tell your, your close circle what you do, then there's something wrong there. But yeah, I, I explained it, and I remember early on, um, you know, my, my family was, uh, my mom was, was a little hesitant. She was kind of like, I don't know, this sounds kind of weird. Um, but, you know, like many people, they, they weren't living it. I was living it. I knew what I was experiencing. I enjoyed it. It felt good. So I, I didn't really take any of that criticism. Um, and then as, as time went on, uh, because I was dedicating so much time to this, this pipe dream that I was chasing, it, it really resulted in um, strained relationships with, with my mom and with other family members, with my wife, definitely. My owners, plural, territories, were in Chicago. So I went on a road, uh, road trip. Um, one, I went by myself. I was helping to train another office. I went to Fort Wayne, Indiana. And then another road trip, I went with a group to Decatur, Illinois. So, and then I actually went, my first, I almost forgot about this. My first couple weeks in the business, I went on a road trip with my future owner uh, to, um, to Southern Illinois somewhere. But, so essentially you go with a bunch of people and they put you up in a hotel and they are the shittiest possible hotels. As just as an aside, one of my former team members who I caught up with like about a year after I left the business, they said that they were staying in a hotel once and, and there were gunshots in the parking lot and stuff like that and their owner wouldn't change their hotel and stuff like that. So, yeah, the bottom of the barrel hotels because, of course, they're the cheapest. And so why, you ask, would his employer require him to leave his city and spend weeks sleeping in shitty motels with his co-workers? So you go, you go to these, these, uh, these cities usually for a week, maybe two weeks. But you go down and you just, you sell stuff, you sell stuff, you sell stuff, you sell stuff. Yep, that's it. He had to go to another city so that he could literally do the exact same thing that he does every day at home. You run the normal rotation. Um, you have a morning meeting, morning meeting, just like morning you would meeting, in, in your normal meeting, office atmosphere. And you, you have an impact that you've, you've looked up in your many notebooks. Uh, or you review your systems, and then you practice your, your sales pitching, and then you go out in the field. So, by this point, Smart Circle had effectively severed Alex from his past self to make him go work a job that he couldn't even really explain to his own mom. And somehow, they managed to do all this without him ever hearing the name Smart Circle. They never mentioned Smart Circle in the interview process. Um, and I honestly could not tell you when I learned that I was working for Smart Circle. I don't, I honestly don't know if it was ever explicitly stated. And now that I'm thinking back to 
all the weekday meetings and things that we had to go to, I honestly don't know if the words smart circle were ever spoken. I think this is just something that you learn eventually. Because um, I remember I was selling a product, I think it was, at the time it was called My Omega. They eventually changed it to Biomega. I don't know what it's called now. It might still be that. But on, I remember on the boxes, it said Smart Circle. And then it had their famous logo with the, 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 it's like a person with their arms open. Some, you know, $2 Adobe Illustrator logo that they created. Um, and I, that might have been the first time that I, I saw that. And that would have been, I think, like two or three months into my, into my experience. And I know that I've talked to other people, too, that said I was there for a long time, never heard this before, didn't realize it. I know one of the owners I talked to said the first time they heard it was when they went to the owner's uh, vacation, the R&R that they do every year, because it said, welcome Smart Circle people. So, Like anyone who doesn't quit in the first two months, Alex earned a promotion to team leader, and he began training others to follow him in the climb towards ownership. Um... I remember, I remember waking up my uh, my one year, <clears throat> my my one year anniversary of, of of having this opportunity, and getting out of bed and thinking, well, it's it's been a year, so hopefully, you know, I'm almost done. Hopefully, ownership is is on the horizon. He stuck around for another couple of months, but eventually, he toasted. That's what they call it in the business, toasting. It wasn't so much any red flags that cued me into, oh, this is a scam, I need to get out. It was just, I I was worn down. I was so worn down, specifically mentally, that the facade crumbled under its own pressure, really. His sales numbers had slipped. He wasn't as positive as he used to be. But the final straw came when Alex dared to request an entire weekend off. He wanted to film a wedding. Sunday Sunday night comes, and we'd always get our schedules emailed to us on Sunday night, and um, I never got one. And that is the passive-aggressive way of telling someone they're either they're either fired or to take some time off and think about it, is to just not put you on the schedule. It's to not have a conversation, not say anything to them. It's just to leave them off the schedule, or to not send them a schedule, as was in my case. And the next day, my owner calls me, and... He was driving somewhere, because of course he has to be working 24-7, and uh, he wanted to meet up with me downtown uh, to give me the bottom line conversation, is what we called it. So basically it's a bottom line. You have to do this, do this, do this, or you're fired. And um, I knew that's what he was going to do. He didn't tell me that's what he was going to do, but I knew that's what he was going to do. Um, so I'm like, eh, you know what? And, th- and he basically said before I could say anything, you know, you know, maybe this just isn't for you. And I said, and I thought to myself, this is probably my, my best way out. So I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not. And so I basically quit right there on the phone. When that happened to me, it wasn't like sadness. It wasn't anger. It wasn't fear. It was relief. It was kind of like, okay, I'm kind of happy. Alex found another job pretty quickly. He was able to spend time with his family again. And he got to go back to church and play in the band. He moved on with his life, but after a while, he wanted to tell his story working for Smart Circle. So, he used his newly honed videography skills for shooting weddings to make a documentary about his experience as a sales rep. So, the entire time I was creating this film, 
I was under the impression, probably because that's all I ever heard, was if you make it to ownership, you will likely make at least seventy-five, two hundred thousand dollars because that's what I was advertised. That's how I was trained to advertise to others. So I really had no reason to doubt it. So come to find out, yeah, the film goes out in April, and about I think within weeks, not not even a month, within weeks, I started getting emails from former owners. So then I get another email, and then I get another email, and then former owners are commenting on the film. So I'm like, wow, okay. So maybe I need to hear these people out a little bit. So it was only through the conversing with uh, Alexa, um, Rachel, Chloe, all these former owners, that I learned that you make, in some cases, these people made less as owners than they did when they were in the field. And that comes from people at the top, the, uh, the EVPs, as they call them, the executive vice presidents or, or national consultants, whatever you want to call them. Tell them, only pay yourself what you make in the field. So as an owner, you have to go out in the field and make a hourly wage, basically, slash commission that you made when you were an entry-level rep. Now, your, your business might make money. And this is another thing I learned from talking to all these former owners is that there's two bank accounts. So when your business makes money, it goes into a business account. The money that you yourself make in the field, that goes into your personal account. That is never, ever mentioned in any opportunity meeting. If you look at the structure of an opportunity meeting, they go through all the money that's made in your business each week, minus expenses, and that number that they circle you take home. They never mention separate accounts. So when you're an owner and you're making, like in one case, I think she said $17,000 a year, that's under the freaking poverty line. And this is a business that's advertising financial freedom, free time, time with your family. You do activities where in 10 years, you're going to make all this money. What do you want to buy? I want a yacht. I want a a 15 room house. I want to pay off all my student loans. And you're making these people pull down 17 freaking thousand dollars a year. So that it's just unbelievable, but you're so manipulated in this business that you justify it. Oh, I'm only making $17,000 a year, but I'm putting all this money, investing it back into my business so that it can get bigger and I'll be more successful later. But it's not true. And, you know, when I, when I left the business at first, I did feel kind of down about it. I felt like, man, I, I really would have liked to get to ownership because maybe my life would be better. But after talking to all these people, I am so blessed that I did not get anywhere in that because I'll tell you what, I would have made even less money. I probably would have owed them money because they always seemingly find a way to manipulate the inventory number so that you owe them money once you quit. When they're in the field, sales reps labor under the illusion that once they become an owner, they'll actually own their own business. At a normal marketing company, if your income starts to drop, you can attract some new clients or you can take some new kinds of assignments. But that's not how it works at one of those fake-ass, bullshit, smart circle companies. You, so you, let's say I'm the business owner. I'm the owner in this, in this sham of, of a business. And maybe my numbers aren't doing too well. Or maybe my, my, uh, my office is, is small. Maybe I don't have that many people and, and many team leaders. So I get a call from 
my regional consultant, my promoting owner maybe, or maybe even the national consultant, and they say, hey, we're going to give you this great opportunity, we're going to send you on a retrain. And of course they frame everything as an opportunity. What it really means is they're going to shut me down, so my business will dissolve, it will cease to exist, they will require me to go to another city to train pretty much as an entry-level rep again under a different owner for as long as it takes for as long as it takes for me to kind of relearn and refocus myself so if I'm owning an office in Indianapolis and I get shut down they might want me to go visit the owner out in in Tempe Arizona now let's say after a year they say, oh, it looks like you're ready to open up a business again. So I say, okay, great, I want to I wanna reopen back in Indianapolis, because that's where I'm from. They'll probably say, well, that, that office has been full, so we can't do that. We have to find a different place for you. So they will uproot you to retrain you, and you may never come back. And it's these kind of situations, which are intentionally engineered by Smart Circle, they create the conditions where it becomes perfectly logical for all the employees to start moving in and living together. One of the people I interviewed recently, I think she was in Atlanta, and she lived in an apartment subdivision. They had one apartment for the guys, one apartment for the girls. There might have been like four or five people in, in both apartments, and they were in the same complex. And then one of the owners that I interviewed for the actual film said too, like when he moved, he was living in an, in an apartment with I think four or five guys and he was in the living room, like it was a two bedroom apartment and there were five people living there and he was living in the living room. And all this leads to yet another super creepy, super culty, and super common phenomenon within the smart circle world. Employees marrying within the business, specifically the male owners and the female admins. I think it just relates to the back to the fact that these people are all you know. All you know. All you know. Like this business is all consuming. You don't have time for your actual friends. You don't have time for your family. You don't have time to go out and meet new people. So the only people that you are around are these people that you're either selling stuff with or, or getting signups with and spending exciting morning exciting meetings with. Morning. So it, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. It's all because that's all you know. These are the only people you're around. But I think also it just goes back to, to this insulated mindset within the business. To just trust those in the business. To ignore everyone and everything outside of it which is exactly how cults operate. And that's why there's a big push in some of these companies to bring your loved ones, to bring your friends, to bring your girlfriends, boyfriends into the business. Not just so they can see how great the opportunity is, but to insulate them and get them like-minded. Pick any cult, the cult members are gonna marry within that cult. So the exact same thing is happening in this business. If you have an owner, and you have an admin, the owner's job is to BS the team leaders and the sales reps, the admin's job is to BS new recruits, you have a shared interest, and you have no time for anything else, you, you eat, sleep, live, and breathe this business. So it makes sense. Why wouldn't you marry one another? 
Alex named his documentary about his smart circle experience The Slave Circle. And while it was cathartic to make the film, and cathartic to connect with other survivors of the slave circle experience, Alex doesn't want to necessarily spend the rest of his life reliving this extremely weird, extremely traumatic period. And and I don't I don't know what the end game of this is. Like I said, I, I don't want to produce these videos forever because I do have other things. I do have other things I want to do, but also I don't want to relive this company forever, which is something I basically do. He also said that his wife had lost all interest in this passion project, and I could totally empathize with that. My yep. wife is over it. She's like, can we please not talk about it? It's like, I'm like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Costner in that movie JFK. Like, oh no, honey, all these things are connected. She's like, let's just go to bed. I can I can hey. empathize. My, my wife's the same way. She Because when I first started putting out the interview, she would watch them. But now she's at a point where it's like, I don't know where you live that. Like, oh, I get it. I get it completely. But I, I feel as long as, as long as people are, are contacting me willingly, like, I feel like I have to at least help out this story. Well, I'm the opposite of your wife, because if I wake up at 5.30 in the morning when my baby wakes up and I look at my phone and I see that there's a new interview with an owner or an admin posted, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so excited. I start watching it when I'm pooping, and I'm like, no, no, save it for the gym. Save it for the gym. Wait till you're on the treadmill so you're not interrupted. Okay. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate you know your support and, and following everything, and, and that's that's really the... That's really the key way that this that these videos keep getting in the front uh, the eyes of more people is just by people following it, sharing it, and, and telling other people about it. So definitely, we I, I very much appreciate your your help and your support as well. The last thing Alex told me is that he wished people would do more research, and they wouldn't just blindly accept information without questioning it. He said that sure that applied to scams like Smart Circle, but it also applied to politics or news, and everything he just told me because as honest and convincing as Alex Sumchuk had seemed he could still just be full of shit right what if like smart circle suggests it's critics like Alex are just bitter failed wannabe CEOs but if you can't trust anyone inside smart circle because all their answers are going to be programmed by a cult. And you can't trust anyone who leaves Smart Circle because they're just bitter haters. Well, who the fuck is left to trust? All I know is that while I was editing this episode, I got an anonymous message. It was from an account called Facebook User. And there was no name and there was no picture. I don't know if they blocked me after they sent the message or they deleted the account. But the message said... Please cease your negative comments about Smart Circle. If you want to check out Alex's video, just Google The Slave Circle or YouTube it or whatever. Special thanks to Malele Roots and Tommy Santa Claus for letting me use all of his terrifying, spooky music. On the next episode of my awesome podcast, I'm going to try to find out if that same crazy shit It's happening at the national level. It's also happening here in Chattanooga.